Bandwidth for August has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they're the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y, and let them know that you heard about them here on 5x5. I'm recording. As am I. About time. Here we go. Three, two, one. We recorded this episode on July 30th, 2015. This is On The Grid, episode 126. This week, we talked about simplifying complex things that maybe you're supposed to stay complex and cognitive bias. Here we go. I'm sorry if you can't handle how much I'm cracking this podcast whip, but we got we got a show to make. The cord's all messed up in my mic. Oh, boy. Oh. Oh. You can give me time to adjust everything. Oh, do you want to get everything set up? You can get it set up now. It's hard, man. This is some behind-the-scenes stuff. People want to know what your setup is, Matt. What's your gear? The the cord usually goes in front, and it's in the back. Is that what you mean? <laughs> That's not a sweet gear <laughs> post. What's your everyday carry, Matt? The headphone cord should be like more around the front so that I don't bump into the mic. Oh, wow. What a crazy EDC from Matt. He puts his headphone cord in front of his mic. Whoa. I don't know who this character I invented is. It's like a... Like a morning show DJ that does a, a podcast. morning zoo DJ who's really into EDC bullshit. I don't even know what EDC means. Everyday carry. Are you not familiar with the everyday carry community? No. Okay, so I'll describe it. I guarantee you know this type of person. Uh, the everyday carry community is the group of people who are, I think, exclusively male. I've never seen a woman in the everyday carry community. I'd say they couldn't be involved, of course, but I've, not, I've never seen one. These are the people that uh, have very specific, rigid systems in place for what they carry on themselves every day. And they mm-hmm. document these things online and argue about the lightest weight wallets and compare all-purpose knives and uh, the best small LED flashlights for getting out of a situation. Oh, so they always have a knife? Most EDC people are into weapons. They got knives. <laughs> they might carry a gun every day. Uh, they're just, oh, that's part of it? It's a gun thing, too? It's not strictly a gun thing. You can definitely be into the everyday. You can be an everyday carrier and not be into to guns, but I've noticed mm-hmm. a big overlap. I see. Okay. I'm aware of this community because I'm into the uh, caring about what you purchase community, which yep. of which there's a lot of overlap with this. They care about all things they purchase that happen to go in their pockets of their cargo pants sure. or their utilicilt. Yep. So, I mean, they leave some pretty they leave some pretty informative reviews if you're looking for a review on a uh, you know multi tool that is going to go in your pocket and you're never going to use. Um, got it. All right. Well, that sounds really important, and I'm glad I know about it. Uh, my everyday carry is a wallet and a phone and a pair of headphones and my keys. Do I fit in? Mm, I don't know. Depends. I, I think they're going to have some questions for you. I think, I think it's kind of a form of self-expression, if I have to be honest. I see. Oh, uh, I put, uh, if I have a bag, I usually put a tape measure in it just in case. Is that good enough? A tape measure? like really? uh, Like a craftsman, like what you would use to measure lumber? Like a six-foot one, not like a 20-whatever-foot one, but yeah. Usually have one in my bag. Tape measure. That's some straight EDC hardcore shit right there. Oh, there you go. Why do you do that though? It used to come in handy more when I was working on environmental graphics, and I don't do it as much. But it still seems like a good. Actually, it's never bad to if you're a guy with a tape measure. Usually, pretty useful. You are you're preaching right now to the to the choir of the everyday carriers. Uh, They're the people that are like, oh, they're the ones that have every tool you could possibly need in their pocket because then you become a useful person. Last Viridian Notes style. I uh, never have a knife though. I didn't feel like I was going to be any sort of bear attacks. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's pretty small. It's pretty far down the list of things that knives can be useful for. I would argue an average knife is not going to help you in a bear attack at all, actually. Actually, they make a special knife that's designed specifically for fending off bears, other large mammals, and sharks. And what the knife is, is it's a small, you know, hunting-sized knife. Mm-hmm. But in the handle is a uh, compressed canister of high-compressed CO2 and when you stab it into something, there is a, a tube in the blade, a thin tube that, that injects whatever you stabbed with a watermelon, watermelon-sized ball of compressed CO2, which, of course, delivers a much more gruesome and horrible wound to the creature. That's this horrifying. Is terrible. Sorry. Uh, has any, here's the real question. Has anyone who's ever gotten in a bear fight ever had one of these? I do not know, but you can go on YouTube and watch videos of people stabbing uh, various fruits with them. Uh, and See? It's pretty this is what I'm saying. No one's ever gotten in a bear fight with this. It's only fruit fights. So that's a different kind of fruit ninja. Now I really just can... The only thing I can imagine is comic book guy with one of these knives attacking a watermelon. <laughs> anyway, speaking of 
combat with the animal kingdom. Oh, I have gosh. mice in my house. Oh wait, what? Oh, I thought you were talking. I thought we were going to talk about lions. Yeah, all right, you have mice in your house. Okay. No, I'm not going to talk about Cecil. Well, whatever. Uh, I have mice in my house though, which I've been trying to use the humane traps all week. I, I went on the internet. I read all the reviews. Bought the humane traps that seem to be most popularly viewed mm-hmm. as doing a good job of catching the mice. I'm going to assume they're nothing. humane because they don't catch anything and they get to go about their business. That so far has been the result. It's been <laughs> <Okay>. extremely humane <laughs> and very, very humane in that I've just sort of decorated it's the area so near the mice. It doesn't disturb them at all. Not even the slightest bit, right? Precisely. Also, it mm-hmm. fills the air with a nice peanut butter smell wherever they're around. So it's, it's air freshener for them basically right now. In fact, it's just a snack. It's just a nice <laughs> peanut butter snack they get to enjoy. It's so humane. They stick around longer. Well, so actually, they haven't eaten the peanut butter, because the way the traps are designed, they are humane. They will not harm the mouse, but there's no way the mouse could possibly get to the bait without being trapped. Like, it's at the end of, like, a either a tipping mechanism or mm-hmm. at the end of a tube with a one-way door on it, so that if they were eating the peanut butter, they would be mine. I would have captured them. But maybe they don't like peanut butter. I'm just imagining you bought, like, 100 uh, copies of the board game Mousetrap, and just mouses are being flung around your house. Oh. If only. There, I mean, it's there's a lot of... I don't know how many there are, because I've never seen more than one simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But if there's only one, let's just say that that little man is extremely active. Little man or woman. I shouldn't, I shouldn't judge. I don't know. What, yeah, what it's very offensive that is. you would uh, you just assume. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever that little, that little mouse's deal is, he's extremely active. And, mm-hmm. and um, so that's my life. I'm trying to figure out how long I go with humane traps and how many different things I try before I have to go not humane anymore. Yeah, I'm kind of... I have. I will say, I've seen a mouse in a mouse trap, like an, a, a uh, not a humane one, a working one. What do you call them? A regular mouse trap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. the lethal kind. It's pretty. Yeah. It's it's awful. It's horrible looking. So uh, if you don't want to have to deal with that, maybe you just have a mouse friend. See, I was okay with that for a while. I mean, I will say, there's these little mice, mouse singular, mice plural, however many there are. They're they're kind of cute. It's just, and I was fine. Like I saw a mouse a few times, like a month ago, and I was like, man, it must be mice in the house. It's an old house, whatever. You get when you buy an old house, mm-hmm. uh, but then I was like, I'll, I'll let this go until it starts to interfere with my life. And okay. now, when I have to get up every morning and just clean the mouse shit off of everything, that's the point where I'm like, okay, this is probably a health and well being hazard, they're probably some sort of disease vector. Yep, so that's you got life. two choices either make friends with the mouse and put them in a cage. Or you get into some sort of Tom and Jerry situation and chase them around. If I could get them into the cage, that would be it'd be fine. The situation would be resolved, and yet I cannot do this. Get like you just get like a much bigger cage that seems friendly, like a pet cage, <laughs> and they'll uh, they'll learn to love you. I really hope this kind of escalates though into like a Home Alone situation where the mouse is Macaulay Culkin, and then Andy ends up being one of the two robbers. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's actually great. The mouse is putting little marbles on the stairs, uh, like hanging paint cans above the. Uh, the stairwell so when andy walks in maybe he's putting like a, a hot poker on the doorknob so he yeah his let's name more things from home alone what else we got <laughs> uh putting his feet in tar no no it's like home alone meets ratatouille the mouse's family left and they got on their little mouse plane and they realized only once it was in the air they left behind a mouse mm-hmm. home alone callbacks mm-hmm. good nostalgia So what's the title of this episode? Mm. Not the title. What are you, how are you going to link to this episode? That's a good question. Yeah, so this, this is what I want to talk about, because right. I've been thinking about it. I mean, we, we started doing this, how long ago? Is this the fifth or sixth episode we've been doing this for? I don't really Fourth. know. Doing it for like a that. little bit now. You started really good at it. You've gotten progressively worse, but you, you were great <laughs> oh at the God. beginning. Wait, how have I gotten worse? I mean, how are you measuring my success? The numbers. <laughs> well, you're assuming so much. So many. Here's the Ooh. problem with, with, <laughs> with analytics, people. So many problems. <laughs> oh. Here's what I've been doing. I mean, we're preaching to the choir right now. You are the listeners of the show. Hello, listeners. We love you. We appreciate you. You tune in every week and listen to this long, rambling show where we talk about how everything's complicated and there are no answers. You're the right people. I'm glad you're here. Uh, but, you know, we'd like to grow the show. Uh, I'm not even entirely sure why. We should, maybe we should just start there. <laughs> like... <laughs> Why do we want to grow the show listenership? Like, I think, well, the, the I think it seems obvious. That, uh, I mean, more like, is better? We just assume that more is better? Yeah, exactly. Like, the default assumption of a thing is that, oh, if, if you have more, more listeners, more downloads, more users of your product, you must be doing better. 
Yeah. So well, I you guess know the popular phrase, uh, more money, less problems. Yes. Of course. It's very, yes. It's, yes. it's science. Yeah. Mm, I'm so glad that's the case. If that mm-hmm. wasn't the case, life would be so much yeah. more complicated. Yeah. I think I got it right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting place, honestly, to start because for me, here's what I think it is. I don't care to have more listeners so we can like actually make money off the show, right? Like we could hypothetically sell ads for more money if we have more listeners. That to me is not a reason to get more listeners. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it is for either of you. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to make a living off the show, so I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah. If we can get a mattress out of it, uh, that I'm set for life. That would make my day. My I, life. I agree. I would be extremely uh, thrilled. But other than that, other than trying to get a free mattress out of this whole situation, uh, which is a losing proposition if I spend about three hours a week editing the show for 126 <laughs> episodes, God knows <laughs> I could get, just get a part-time job. To eventually but, maybe get a mattress, yeah. <laughs> and a, a very affordable mattress at that. It's not even overpriced. Yeah. Um, However... So that, that's not a reason. I think for me, the reason why I would like the show to continue to grow uh, is because, first of all, losing listeners would be, would be a sign of bad things, right? Like, I think that would mean that we are doing a bad job, that someone who previously liked the show, and by someone, I mean, you know, a decent enough portion that we could observe clearly in the, mm-hmm. in the statistics, the <laughs> analytics platform. If enough people were leaving and not subscribing to the show, then I would feel like we were doing something bad and we had sort of not really tapped into what people liked about the show we didn't really understand what the success was about and we were doing a worse job and if we stayed totally even i guess that would be fine but it seems impossible to stay totally even so really the idea that the show is growing is just a sign to me that uh, we are doing a good job at what we set out to do and that slowly we are finding the people that are also enjoy that thing we're doing right like, yep. like I, I don't believe that immediately overnight, everyone that could possibly enjoy the show can find it. And so because of that, that is why I value the growth so much that it just is a sign that we're doing something consistently and well, or at least to, at least to the standards we set out for ourselves. Sure. So we started doing this thing where whenever, now, whenever you post a show, you put it on our own subreddit, which mm-hmm. again, preaching to the choir, these people are probably already listeners to the show for the vast, vast That's majority. Not a, not a way to promote the show. It gives us a place to discuss the things if yeah. we want to. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, occasionally, uh, more often recently than not, uh, we will tweet about the show. We will mention on Twitter that the show is up, uh, which also is partially preaching to the choir. People might follow us, maybe I'll listen to the show, or it's preaching to people that are definitely aware of a show that exists. They follow us on Twitter, but they've decided not to listen for whatever reason, and a tweet is almost certainly not going to change their mind. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, most people, the average person doesn't listen to podcasts. They're not a very popular medium. So, you know, five out of 10 people are probably not podcast listeners. So that's also not really a way of promoting the show, right? It's more a way of kind of documenting and sharing with people that are close to us. And I don't even know, I, for a while I wasn't tweeting about the shows because it didn't make sense. And I still don't really know why I do it. I guess it's just to kind of contextualize it. So what I've started to do as a sort of interesting charge is just try to post the show as many places as are relevant uh, every time that we post an episode. And so this means putting it on designer news, putting it on a number of subreddits that exist that are somewhat related to design, submitting it to various design newsletters, submitting it all over the place, anywhere, any place that takes submissions for content, um, kind of submitting it there with the knowledge that, you know, it's, we're sending a link to an hour-long podcast it's dense, it requires a commitment, it requires a certain amount of attention. Some people can't listen to podcasts and work, so we're asking for a lot of their time. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with the understanding that most people are probably not going to actually listen, but it, we may get a few people, they might tell some people, you know, we can slowly maybe actually get the word out about the show. Um, but <laughs> what I decided to do after talking with, with you two, uh, and I think most, most people probably don't realize this that are listening to the show because they probably haven't seen this, is when I post the episodes on these other sort of platforms, you know, these are your social platforms where things get upvotes and the things with the most upvotes make it to the front page and the most discussion about them makes it sort of, you know, more, uh, more popular. So I figured if I was, you know, when in Rome, I might as well stop trying to summarize the episodes succinctly in sort of the title of the post, right? Because who, who could? Uh, the whole point of the show that we do is that the thing is so complicated and so big that it deserves mm-hmm. an hour-long conversation and can't possibly be summarized in a sentence. Otherwise, we would just do that and not record the show. And, like, even when we title the show, I would say it's very vaguely related or not at all. We, didn't, we also don't try to do this when we title the show in our RSS feed. 
Yeah, the title uh, of the show is meant to be something that we will hopefully remember so it's related enough that, you know, it's connected. Um, we don't do the thing other podcasts do where it's like random, funny, out of context phrase or snippet that yeah, seems occasionally. weird. Yeah, sometimes. Occasionally. Occasionally, but it's, it's, not, it's not our MO, right? Like, sure. There's tons of podcasts where like that is the thing that you do. You just pull a funny thing out and make that the episode title. Yep. Uh, and to your point, Matt, you've made in the past, that makes it near impossible to come back and be like, uh, which show do we talk about, Grids? Was it Cheeseburger in Paradise or... Yeah. I'm not uh, a huge the Mountain fan of it. King. I'm not a huge fan of it as the guy who's kind of expected to be the archivist. So if somebody's like, hey, do you remember when? No, I don't because we called it something. I don't know. If it's going to be a phrase pulled out of it, I'm going to make sure it's related to the topic or I'll have no idea what it was about. Yeah. So, so the titles of the episodes are just kind of, I mean, they're as unopinionated as possible, I would say. Does that make sense, Matt? Like they are. <clears throat> yes, it does. Like they're just basically like, here is generally what this is about, but we're not going to try and fit our position into the title uh, it is as opinionated as like tagging a bookmark but when i've been posting these things elsewhere i have figured i might as well just lean in and kind of pull out a very opinionated segment of the show something that uh is controversial something that people might not agree with might think is crazy and kind of make that the title of the post on these various social places um so you know these are kind of clickbaity headlines right like i'm trying to get someone to look at this and go what is that? I need to look at that. Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to be saying, here's a podcast episode about whether or not typographic grids really make sense on the web as a format or whether or not they really were just carried over from print because it's really hard to think about things in a new way. You know, that doesn't get anybody clicking anything. Or I shouldn't say it doesn't get anybody. It gets a small chunk of people that are kind of maybe already in our wheelhouse. Um, but it doesn't get the vast majority of people that are visiting sites like these to find their news and new information because that's not what it is meant to go on these platforms. It's not what's successful on these platforms. Um, so... I've been doing that. I've been posting shows with what I would call headlines that I believe are appropriate to the platform they are posted on. And this has resulted uh, in new listeners. People have told us they have found the show through this platform and been intrigued and started listening and subscribed. Um, it has resulted in <laughs> me trying very hard to control my myself and not respond to every internet commenter <laughs> that does not listen to the episode, but the, responds the to frequent. the snarky, like, clickbaity headline that I wrote for it. My favorite response is always a person who clearly didn't listen and is just responding to the headline itself. Yeah, uh, this is a very, it's actually very much the behavior of Reddit in general is to like read the headline and go straight to the comment section. Um, that's an interesting thing. That's an interesting response. Which, should I be mad about that? That's what I want to no, know. I don't, I mean, no, absolutely no, not. I don't think so. I mean, you're, because you're kind I of am setting yourself so up for this one. Like, yeah, no, I get that. Like, I definitely am frustrated because you know we do record a long show where we try and touch on a complex topic and talk about it from a bunch of different perspectives. And if I choose to summarize one angle of that in the sort of title, and the first response is, "You don't know what you're talking about. What about this? You ever thought about these other things? You don't even know what you mean." And it's like, yeah. well, I do actually. The whole point of me putting this here was to put this link so you could go and listen to this and if you don't want to listen to it that's totally fine don't but don't jump in here in the comments as if you did listen to it and start making you know bad criticisms of it uh criticisms that are often like oh you must be a design student or only design students have this conversation in the first year because as soon as you graduate you should stop thinking yeah you you figured (laughs) it out your first year you know um so yeah i I realize that i probably shouldn't be frustrated because i I'm, i'm going to these places right these are the places where you look at you no one looks at the first two reddit posts of the day and says this was some good content i'll spend some time and dig into this everyone looks at hundreds of reddit posts that's the whole point of that system uh and yet i keep posting it there so i don't know i'm, I'm conflicted about it like sometimes i just feel like the internet's a bad place is what it comes down to no it's just reddit reddit is the kind of place where people just they go there to kill time and i don't know it just doesn't seem like a really good place for us to try to market something that has an hour investment at a time like people are like you just said skimming through these things at seconds at a time so i I just think it's just a bad match where is the place where's the good match this is something i've been wondering just in general like where where the good place for the people we want to talk to is like i don't think we've reached everyone we could possibly reach i certainly hope not i don't think that uh like i i will say like we might not be the best version of the thing we could be and so there are plenty of people out there there that might might hear and be like, oh no, that's up my alley. They just do a bad job. That's totally okay. I can understand that, but I don't think we're the, at the end of like the kind the audience we're looking for, which is 
somewhat thoughtful designers or not designers, creative people, pe- like people who care about making things mm-hmm. uh, and care about the implications of those things. That's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. And for me, I would go even broader. Like I want anybody that wants to think critically about the world, you know, like I, I ideally like everyone that listens to Roderick on the line, I would love to want to listen to this show. And yeah. I know that that is nowhere near the case right now because John Roderick is infinitely more entertaining than we are and is much more wise and, you know, knows more about the world and has so many more anecdotes. And But his, like, MO of just, like, thinking very carefully about everything and kind of dissecting things and caring about history and caring about sort of context and perspective, uh, I, I want everyone that cares about that to want to listen to this show. And we're definitely yeah. not there. I just wonder what, like, what the place is supposed to look like. I mean, you think about a place like Designer News and it's... uh I think I, I I have to assume that like for the people who like that kind of content, it's a great place, and it like what's the the generality of the content would be like um, look at this great site. Uh, here's some news about an Apple product. Uh, here's a new startup company that uh, supposedly focuses on design, which kind of means a certain thing. Uh, and here's a Photoshop tip. Yeah, Photoshop tip or dribble post, right? Which is it's something, right? Like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be snarky about it and put it down and say it's not, it's not my favorite thing. I don't go there all the time, but it is. It's a, it's a portion of the design field community, whatever you want to call it. It's a much bigger portion than the portion that yeah, we are reaching yeah. or talking to. If we were smarter human beings, we'd probably just uh, decide to like that instead and go do that because uh, we'd reach more people. But you know, the reason you're you're writing these kind of clickbaity headlines is because you're trying to appeal to that sensibility right of uh it's pretty understandable quickly and you can get to the end of it and come right back and look at more posts we're not that not the not the greatest outlet for us so i I just wonder like what the the problem is kind of kind of hurting cats right like you want a bunch of very critical people and you want to put them in one place and why would this group of critical people show up into this one place i don't want to do that do you want to do that i don't know i'm not really a cat person lame um so I have there's a couple of big issues floating around here. One thing, which is something I always come back to, is how much of this behavior is us being affected by our tools? Like we have the internet now, everything's at your fingertips, you can go search for shit, so therefore everybody is distracted all the time and it's the internet's fault. It's kind of one perspective. The other perspective is that humans have always been this way. Before the internet, everyone just read the paper because that was what they had available to them because they wanted some escape and some entertainment, and everyone went down to the sort of center of town to sort of shoot the shit meaninglessly with a bunch of people in the town and that's the same as like twitter uh and you know there is no real change net in human behavior it's just that these things have moved over to different platforms maybe they're more visible maybe you can be exposed to more of it than you could previously so you can have a strong reaction against it but it's just human nature and it's never going to change uh obviously i think the answer is somewhere in between but where on that spectrum like how much are our attention spans and attitudes being affected by our modern tools and how much are we just the same we always were i want to think that everything is just the same all the time and we just feel differently about things when media around us changes or technology around just around us changes like why do you want to think that way um because the opposite way where people think everything used to be so much better is bullshit every time that ever comes up and you dig into it there's nothing actually there so i think uh, not that I, that makes the inverse absolutely true, but it makes me think that the inverse is a little bit closer to true than the, the nostalgia that everything used to be awesome. Well, so I, I agree with you there, because I think when people say, oh, you know, everything was better in the 50s or whatever, they are neglecting the fact that, you know, certain people didn't have civil rights and that this disease was much more popular. We had no way to sort of handle it. And all the things that they don't remember fondly are just, you know, conveniently removed from that sort of nostalgic memory. Right. Um, but I also don't want to be so blind and say that just everything has gotten better constantly. Like, it's not like there are some, there aren't any values that I miss and still want. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy that has a garden in his backyard when I could easily just go buy, you know, that uh, human sludge drink and just put all the nutrients right in my body I wanted to. Like, that is progress yeah. in some way. But clearly there is something important about, I think, I, I don't think that just because, yes, I agree in whole cloth, generally things are improving doesn't mean that great things get don't get lost right yeah yeah no i think that's true i just i i just try to separate in my brain like the the kind of things i'm told are important and then what i've actually learned to be important as an adult uh i mean even simple things like uh 
you know, you mentioned like attention spans and Twitter. And I feel like growing up, I was told like, it's, it's very important to read. And, and then as I grow older, I find like, oh no, no, what they actually meant is it's very important to read uh, works of fiction that are about 250 pages that are bound into a hard or paperback book. I read all the time. I just don't read those things, but that's what they were referring to at the time. People are constantly reading, you know what I mean? Like things like that, where you're like, Oh, th- I'm gaining some context. I'm figuring out the situation around me. Like that doesn't that doesn't necessarily have to hold up. It's it's the, what they were trying to say was it's important to gain knowledge. I, f- I feel like uh, dissecting things like our attention span on the internet and what people actually hold as valuable. Like what what are the things we actually want? Like what is actually important? Like for example, does it matter that our attention span is shorter? Is it uh, is that necessarily a bad thing? Is that just the new world that we live in and that serves us much better? Um, what was the value of the attention span? And are we actually pointing at something else? Like, did it used to be valuable? It's no longer valuable. And what we actually wanted was hard workers. Like, what was what was the point of all that? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think those are good points. Like, you're right. I think oftentimes, I think the, the general default feeling amongst the general population is aversion to change. And if something yeah. is changing patients are getting shorter then it's all kids these days they all have ADD. we got to give them all drugs because they're all trying to do a bunch of things at once instead of just sit down and read this book from beginning to end and and yes that is a bias for the way things used to be because when they were raised that was a virtue for whatever reason and now because things are changing the idea that someone could be healthy and functional uh, and different from what their understanding of healthy and functional is is something that people naturally reject um but there's also like the other thing that comes with this like constant march of like general across the board progress is that it doesn't mean we can, as far as I'm concerned, write off the truly bad things that happen because of our progress, right? Like without the internet, we wouldn't have the kind of abuse that women have to face from Gamergate mm-hmm. bullshitters. Uh, yeah. We wouldn't have, uh, without like, you know, shitty apps that basically perform the middleman and allow for more exploitation of contract workers um like that problem existed before but there's a very specific version of that problem that it just applies to what technology is able to do for us and how easy it is to hire somebody to drive you somewhere do your laundry or do something else um and that is a unique problem that has come about specifically because of this tool which yes i agree i still want the internet like i still want all the things the future has given us does every generation feel like they're in the sort of tumult of a new world of technology. Like, do people feel this way about radio and shit when it came out and how much the world was changing? I think that's the same question I asked earlier, I guess, right? Like, is, is, is our change the same as someone else's change or is it unique and special? Oh, you know, honestly, it's probably not unique. Like, I, w- I would like to think that it is because it feels like it's so much faster, but like relative to our own history. And then if it's somebody else and they don't have, they don't have now, but for comparison, then it's relative to their own history where maybe things did act like maybe less actual devices came out in a period of time, but uh, relative to everything that's happened in their lives, things are moving pretty quickly. So I don't actually know. Do you think it actually changes that much? I bet everybody feels about the same way uh, unless you live in the dark ages. Have you ever read the page on Wikipedia, the list of cognitive biases? Uh, no, but I, I, you know what? I, I feel like you have sent a link to a couple of them. Cause I, yeah, like at the bottom, it will list all the other ones, right? Uh, maybe I don't know. There's definitely a list, a, a, an exhaustive list on Wikipedia of just not. I guess not all. Like of them. confirmation some are, bias, for example. Exactly. Is that an example. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yes. and there's there's hundreds of them that have been studied and have academic papers about them, and it's it's insane to read because it is just a list of all of the things that makes it impossible for you to perceive what is actually happening, mm-hmm. basically. And there are just you know dozens and dozens of them. They all have names, and they've all been sort of backed up by academic papers, like. There are so many reasons that your perception of the world is completely unreliable uh, and you should never be trusted with basically anything. Uh, and as a, as a designer, I think that's something that gives me a lot of anxiety and I'm hyper aware of. And then I get in these sort of conflicts where what I'm really talking about is the difference between these two different biases, right? Like there's the, the bias that says that, um, you know, everything that is new is great because it is new and progress is excellent and should be mm-hmm. celebrated and we can only move forward and that's the only, way, the only direction to move and there's the sort of change aversion bias for whatever how they how things actually are those things seem better because they're more comfortable and familiar and you know i, I get stuck where I, I i feel like i've read enough about these things that i understand those forces I understand why both of those things can exist inside of me and inside of society and then i don't know i feel like the truth is completely elusive 
And does it matter? Like, for, it feels so much like it matters to me to understand whether or not our behavior online is just a different version of the same old thing we've always been doing, or whether it's totally unique and shaped by our tools, as like a Marshall McLuhan or somebody would, would say. Uh, and I, I feel like if you're designing things people are using for social communication, or if you're even using them yourself, to not have some awareness of how much you're being affected by that seems criminal. And so I'm just, I'm constantly searching for that like truth. And I, I feel that list of, of biases is, it gives me enormous anxiety. And also I, I feel like it's my, I have like uh, Stockholm syndrome for it. Like I want to read about them and like learn more about them. And I love them because they're so interesting. And then also it's like, but these are the things that are preventing me from being a perfect person. <laughs> So what do you do when you don't know if you're any good at anything? You have all these cognitive biases floating around your head, can't figure out if you're actually good at something. Best thing to do is to seek guidance. Seek guidance from a place like lynda.com. Trusted professionals on lynda.com have put videos up there so you know that you are going to be at least one video good at everything you watch a video about. Well, about 3,000 videos, because lynda.com is the online learning platform with over 3,000 on-demand videos, uh, courses to help you strengthen your business, technology, and creative skills. For a free 10-day trial, you visit lynda.com slash OTG, like this show on the grid. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com slash OTG. O as in O, and T as in... Lynda.com is for problem solvers, for the curious, for people who want to make things happen. Maybe you want to master Excel, learn negotiation tactics, build a website, or boost your Photoshop skills. Go to lynda.com and feed your curious mind. We talked a little bit about how interesting it is to watch somebody who is really good at something talk about it, and that's exactly what lynda.com is. People that are pros in their particular field, and they're explaining it to you. It's like the Olympics, but for uh, productivity and Photoshop skills. They're explaining things like typography, foundations of color, InDesign secrets, Illustrator CC for web design, all kinds of stuff. Oh, is there anything relevant to what we talked about on this episode tonight, Matt? It's funny you should ask, because I I visited the site before the episode, uh, knowing exactly what the show is going to be, and I found something just for us, called Writing for the Web with Chris Notter. Well, what kind of writing for the web are we talking about? Are we talking about writing uh, marketing copy? Are we talking about writing interface copy? Are we talking about social media work? The description says, people read differently online. They scan. They're trying to find information quickly. Andy, this is exactly what we're talking about. That's we're talking about writing headlines. I need headlines. to watch this video. You need to go watch this video so you can write a better headline for this show. Because people read differently on the internet. <laughs> Lynda.com has some great features. With a Lynda.com membership, you're going to be able to watch and learn from top experts. We said that part. You can stream thousands of courses on demand. Courses are structured so you can watch from start to finish or consume them in bite-sized pieces. You can browse transcripts. You can follow along. You can search, skip to a point. You can take notes. You can download tutorials and watch them on the go, meaning on your mobile devices. And you can create and save playlists. These are all things you can do just on their website. We can save playlists and we can share them with each other. I can save a playlist of things Andy should watch so that... He can write better clickbaity headlines or just write for the web in general, and then our show can do better. How to write for web? What keys do touch? Um, I hope you search better than that. <laughs> Your Linda.com membership will give you unlimited access to training on hundreds of topics, all for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you just want to learn something new, I want you to visit lynda.com slash OTG and sign up for your free 10-day trial. Rid yourself of some of your biases. Linda.com. Are you terrified that you're taking part in designing the world worse or, or designing a worse world? Is that the is that the anxiety? Hmm. I mean cuz you're 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 talking about it as if you have a responsibility and I agree. I think we all have a responsibility uh you know on relative to other things like I, you know I don't again we had our saving the world episode last episode but you are I mean you're you're making stuff that can affect people's behavior. So I think I don't have enough confidence in the importance of what I'm doing to think that I'm making the world a worse place. So I don't think that is my fear. 
Well, that's good. My fear is more. I think Days Work is pretty good. It's a pretty helpful app. I mean, that, that's, that's a perfect <laughs> example. We have talk, arguments in the office all the time about how we should design that app, whether we should design it for the way people already behave or the way that they should behave. Anyway, mm-hmm. my, I think my actual fear is that I am bad at my job because I don't understand these things. My work is bad. Not that it's bad for the world, but it's just bad in general because my understanding is not great enough. We, we've yeah. talked on the show about how I really feel like a designer's role in almost any situation should be the role of understanding. Like you need to just get it and understand it on all sorts of levels, understand limitations of production, understand the end user, understand all these things. And, you know, when you're designing something, if you're a designer and you're working on like a web app or something, your designs you create are just instructions for someone to build it. Like unless you're writing the code yourself, you're not building it at all. You're just making very elaborate instructions for someone else who's actually building it. Uh, and you should have no qualms about that. that. That's okay. But if you're going to be making those instructions, like you need to realize that your job is to make those instructions. And part of making those instructions is not just making it very usable and understandable, but truly understanding the whole problem at hand. Uh, and I mean, like recent news, here's, here's one of my biggest fears. Um, one of my biggest fears is witnessing a crime and then wrongly identifying a person involved in some way because of some bias that is involved in that situation like that is such a specific fear andy it is though like i it's it's something you read about you listen to podcasts where people like identified the wrong person and someone spent 30 years in prison and they talk they talk to the person that identified them wrongly and they are so 100 percent confident that they saw this person do x Mm. uh and the idea that my understanding of the world and my perceptions would be so off that I would be 100% confident in something and that someone else would then suffer because of that, because of my complete lack of understanding. Uh, like, that's a, that's a legitimate fear that I have. I think if I was ever, if I ever did witness a crime and was put on the stand, I would have to be like, here is my fear of, of perceptions. As far as I'm concerned, I'm like 98% sure this is what happened, but I want everyone to go read the Wikipedia pages <laughs> about the biases that are involved when you witness a traumatic event and all the adrenaline, read all these things, and then take this all with a grain of salt I would be the worst witness. It would be so... I obviously talk a lot, too. Um, <laughs> but, like, so, so that, that specific instance is exactly the same fear I have about the design work that I'm doing. Like, not understanding, not perceiving the world accurately is, is, a, is a big fear of mine. Like, I, I feel like every, everything we learn, everything we do is, is so based on perception. And yeah. Would you get peace out of the idea that you're never going to? Clearly not. <laughs> because here's yeah. the thing. I mean, here's the situation. Like, honestly, the, the way... So the way I felt about it when I started uh, doing anything, what I, like, or when I became aware enough to even think about this, right? Like, not started when I was, like, dicking around in Photoshop at 14, but, like, working professionally at 22 or whatever. Um, I felt like I was too young to understand anything, and everything was big and scary. And as where I'm at now, like, I still have, like, I feel very confident now, but I still have inklings of that. And I also have the other part where I'm like, there are college students who know about stuff that I don't know about that's much cooler than me. And so now I don't have a perception of that world. And I definitely, I don't think I'm old, but I think I'm, there are some things I don't understand. And there also, there's experience that I'm missing. And I feel like now I'm going to, I'm just going to straddle those two worlds. One of those will get bigger. One of those get smaller or they'll both just get bigger because I'll learn more stuff, learn more things I don't know on both sides of that equation. And don't you just have to come to peace with that? You just have to be good at the things that you know about, and then you can try to learn as much as you can. But look, I I have the same anxiety that you have, but I, I always see myself straddling those two things. Well, yeah, like I think in general, this whole fear of missing out, mentality is something that it's it's exceptionally strong because you feel like if you're going to miss out on it then you are not like a a whole person i mean it's just <laughs> it's like the uh every designer has to talk about sketch for a long time yeah because well yeah it, it, <laughs> you know like when we were starting the show like the the two of you would actually have a lot of references that the two of you would know and i would sit onto the side like i have no idea what they're talking about and i have to google this because i have no clue what's going on and i want to be informed oh we're just incredibly smart yeah that's i know that's the difference so it makes you feel better dan that's like me when you and matt are talking about white people music yeah exactly so like the dave matthews band oh oh, no like like all the heavy metal metal and the what other elf whatever else you listen to i don't know i can't remember the genres yeah but um yeah over time i realized that I wasn't going to know all the different references and all like the 
the different people, um, like uh, different kinds of designers or whoever, like public figures that I didn't know, but you guys were casually talking about and knew everything about and whatever. Um, and it's, I, I think it's that issue that you have to kind of come to terms with the fact that you're just not going to know everything. And you also can't like put up a front that you are going to know everything. And you have to like let that go internally. Uh, because if you don't, then you end up trying too hard as a designer to uh, compensate for not knowing these things and spending a lot of time trying to inform yourself. Because at the end of the day, there's just not going to be enough time or energy that you could spend to know all of this stuff. So you really just have to focus on the things that you really want to focus on and just kind of move from there. Or else you're, you're just going to be like on Wikipedia all day. And oh, hello. Yeah. Hi. Actually, isn't that, what is that, uh, the, like, paralysis of choice? There's a name for that, right, Andy? Yeah, there's a name for that, too. I mean, I'm not talking about knowing everything. Uh, that That's never an option as far as I'm concerned. And I, I love listening to people talk that know a lot about a subject that I know I will never know even a fraction of what they know about. And I have no, I have no uh, anxiety or sort of fear of missing out, as you described it, Dan, about not being a whatever they are. Um, I'm happy to do that. The the sort of anxiety I'm describing here is not actually being confident that you know the small little chunk of the world that you've decided you want to set out to know, uh, right? Like, so what we do, design, graphic design specifically, most of us, for the most part, even though we hate that word, sure, like, if you, you for, for the way that people have agreed to identify a graphic design curriculum, uh, you could say that... I have acquired the skills that a graphic designer should have according to the curriculums of X higher education institutions, right? Um, mm -hmm. That to me is basically meaningless, honestly, um, because there's so much, there's so, it, it's so flawed to assume that the universities or colleges teaching these things, first of all, I have any idea what's actually important. Uh, and Basically, like they're in a system where they are supposed to prepare people to go get jobs so those people can pay back their loans and they can make money. And if you have a college or university with a terrible job placement rate, uh, you will probably cease to exist or start to do badly. So they're preparing people uh, in their system to gather skills that will allow them to then compete in a separate system, which is a system that is based on capitalism and people can sell. And these are not values that I necessarily share at all. Uh, so like being good at those things, if I am good at them only means that I'm good in sort of the way that that system is perceiving me. And if that doesn't, isn't in line with my values, then is it actually a skill that matters at all? No, no. I mean, like it basically, uh, like you see people that go through college and they could have A's in every class, but they might not necessarily be a good fit or entirely prepared for the workforce, but they were a good student. Like that's the difference. So they were really good at that system. And that's a different conversation. I mean, yeah, yeah maybe, sure. Dan's sure. saying he's got street smarts, Andy. <laughs> Goddamn right. More what I mean is, like, I only realized, and I'm embarrassed to say this, I only realized really in the past, let's say, three years, that basically everything I do and like doing and enjoy doing and get some sort of satisfaction out of is self-expression. Uh, I can look back on all the things that I did as a kid, on what design means to me, on making this podcast, on... Uh, why I do everything and the sort of value I get out of everything is almost always a sort of value of self-expression. Like there's something in me that is just very driven to express what I, what I feel and think and who I am, uh, which is weird and feels shallow and narcissistic to say, but that's, that's actually the truth. Um, and so the skills I was taught in school uh, are basically the skills to help some other entity express itself right? Like you're designing something for sure, yeah. a client and your whole goal is basically to understand them and then try and express that. Um, and we've talked on the show about how it's often easier to express somebody else's virtues and uh, sort of values than your own because you get to look at it from a distance, right? And I think part of looking at it from a distance is you get to step out of a lot of those biases you have from being in the first person. And you get to say, you think you're really good at this, but you're actually not. You're good at this. And you think your customers like you for this reason, but really it's actually this other slightly different reason. And uh, even though you say you're very much like this one competitor, you're actually a little bit different and we should highlight this here. And you get to kind of get that value of distance. Uh, and when you're trying to do it for yourself, you don't have that. You're totally caught in the, in the sort of mud of just understanding how vast uh, an idea and a person 
can be. Uh, and so trying to express that in the language that we've been given, which is a language of simplification. Uh, design has always been about simplification. That's, it's at the core of almost every design movement that's been in existence. And that simplification is designed to make things more digestible and understandable. And sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're complicated. And you, how do you express that when our entire language is based on simplifying? Jesus, how do we even, how do we get here? I don't know. You're the one that's can been some, talking the most. How did we can get here? Can someone draw a map? <laughs> well, I can, I, but I can, I can bring it back around because. Where did what, we what start? What we want to do, what we want to do on the show is to not simplify. I think, I think the urge for the show is um, the fact that our job, like our, we've been told our virtues are simplification and that's the only thing people care and understand about. And so we. Uh, those are things that we study, and then we get tired of only doing that, so we want to do uh, uh, a thing that values complication somehow. Like, ultimately, sorry to interrupt. Like a, a thing that values loose ends. But but when we try to bring that back into the world that we know, it's incredibly difficult. We don't know what to do. What's we don't thing? know. Like we, do, we write clickbaity headlines because we think, well, back to the value of simplification, we have to take this, we have to take these loose ends, we have to take this complication, we have to tie it up, because people are... People are too busy, they're too stupid, they're too bored, they're too whatever to care about this thing that we care about, so we gotta simplify. Like I sent, so that that link you mentioned that I distracted you with was a a thing that did pretty well on Designer News. It was like somebody tried to simplify their podcast into a manifesto, the full process designer thing, right? Everyone loves manifestos, that shit's great. Sure. Okay, so, I, I mean, briefly, before you move, we should talk about yeah, this, but I want to sort of, yeah. so you, you mentioned that, you know, we simplify things because we feel like our audience is lazy, bored, distracted. We have to kind of make things as bite-sized as possible. And honestly, I think that on a like lower level, the simplification comes down to, if you can make something simple, you must inherently understand it. And therefore, you make it simple so that your audience can also understand it. And that and understanding like, gives the, us comfort. Like, it, there's think, so much comfort in being like, here is how a uh, trap in a sort of plumbing line under a sink works. And that's on my short list of design things. I think it's just so fucking brilliant that it blows my mind whenever I think about it. Um, and like, you can describe that and you can explain it and it's simple and someone gets it. And there's so much, I think, existential comfort in being like, here is one part of the world that I am so confident. I am free of all of the cognitive biases. I'm so confident that I actually have a complete understanding of what this actually does and how it works. Uh, that I think that's why we're drawn to simplicity ultimately. It's not because people are lazy. And I mean, kind of, but ultimately I think it's because everyone wants to feel comfortable and it's not comfortable to think about things that we can't understand. So onto the full process designer manifesto. The only reason, the only reason I posted that to you guys is just as an example, like that's an example of something that did really well. Uh, oh my it simplifies God. a long thing, but you know what it is? Like, here's what happens though. It uh, it seems to do well on these kind of submission sites, but then the people that I respect that I follow on Twitter and stuff spend a lot of time making fun of it, and so it's like I don't know where to be on. Like I don't want I don't want to write a manifesto. I mean, we could do a fake manifesto at the end if you want, and just write up a summary and just link to that and see how well it does, and then see whoever even if anyone even bothers to listen. But the problem is you're not going to get the people you want to get, right? Like we're we're in this endless loop of we want to get more people, but those are the wrong kind of people, and we get. I don't, I don't want to say the wrong kind of people. It feels so... Te- it feels, I don't know. No, it's not the wrong kind of people. It's that we won't get them, right? Like, we won't get them. And right? I don't want to get people. I, I want... Honestly, like, I think this all comes down to the same kind of satisfaction. If, if we say something on this podcast that is something that's been bouncing around one of our heads for months that keeps us up, it's not up at night thinking about these things, and somebody fucking responds and is like, yes, this has also been bothering me, there's a huge comfort in that, right? Yes, yeah. like, that's what I want. Like, ultimately, I, want, I, love a, I love a good Twitter quote. I love that. That makes me feel happy. I like. Yeah, and uh, it's not because it advertises the show. Because, like, honestly, you can't advertise. I, I'm starting to feel like advertising a podcast is the most fruitless thing because you're asking someone to take off such a huge bite of time to try mm-hmm. and experience the thing you're advertising. But like seeing those things, it's just like we said last week. This show is a long form will for me. It's also kind of like a long form support group. It's like just putting <laughs> putting all like you know I, you know I don't go to a therapist, but I all the things I would say to a therapist is what I say on the show. I don't feel like I don't have much of a much of a sort of uh, 
of a filter. So oh, no, you like, don't. Yeah. So, I mean, putting this stuff out there constantly in the hopes that something might, you know, echolocation bounce off of somebody and come back and we can sort of have some kind of connection. Uh, that may be one of the biggest values of a show like this. And what the fuck is going on with the menu on this full process designer website? <laughs> for some reason, they've decided that the the hamburger menu would like turn it into a wheel for no reason. It's, and that I will say it's insane. Like, it's it's pretty like it spins around like a wheel and it changes colors. It makes no sense. Uh, I feel like the values that this thing is trying to teach would not teach you to do that. <laughs> ironically, <laughs> however, uh, you know, eh, you can it changes colors. Did either of you listen the to this uh, thirty-minute podcast about full no, process? No, I don't want. No, because it was too. I don't. You know, I mean, you know how I feel. I don't trust anyone who thinks they can sum things up in in ten points or whatever. Uh, I have a deep distrust of that kind of thing. And I think I think the reality is, like, there are probably designers just like us who like talking about design and thought this was a, would be a good way to promote and also like some of their ideas, and I don't think they're evil at all. Like, I think they're... And honestly, they... Let's be real. They did a better job marketing their show than we did of our show. Oh, so certainly. how mad can I get? Uh, I don't like manifestos. Uh, I think it's kind of uh, stupid to think that you can cover so much in such a short period of time, and it's kind of exclusionary. I guess we should, I mean, do you, should we just come up with our own manifesto? I don't know. Maybe better. Well, it no, would be a real no, thing. No, very, sense, but very interesting challenge for us to My come up manifesto, manifesto is no more manifestos. The, well, the so manifesto. So, so, so here's Thank a question. You, is the manifesto a fundamentally flawed idea, or is it that we've just seen it done badly so many times that we are, we are rejecting it. It's a fundamentally flawed idea. It's why we don't like religion. Uh, it's also why, like, anytime someone gets murdered, the guy happens to have a manifesto. But I mean, I think it's a wow. fundamentally flawed idea. Great to murder. So, uh, yeah, next time someone shoots someone else, uh, check if they have a manifesto, Dan. Okay. Well, but, but I mean, probably from your home state. Oh, yeah. Well, so, probably. I mean, let's just take a step oh, back. Burn. I mean, a manifesto is really just documenting a set of rules and... Yes, when that manifesto is in the form of Ten Commandments, sort of chiseled in stone, never to be changed, or a constitution of a country whose process of changing is sort of laborious, that can be bad. Uh, but you could also argue that the scientific method is a manifesto, one which mm-hmm. I would gladly adhere to and sort of champion. <sighs> You're right. So is, is it possible for us to write a manifesto, to write a, a set of rules that would somehow describe the same virtues we've been trying to espouse on this show for 126 episodes. But what's the point? I mean, I feel like, unfortunately, it would be simplistic and flexible. It'd be like, uh, try, you know, try to do good in the world, speak about the things that you know, uh, change your mind when you are wrong, go back to step one and start over. Here's a, here's a tip. You're probably wrong, and you probably don't know the things you think you know you're speaking about. Uh, it would just be that Socrates quote, right? So I don't know. Yeah, I... I like just even talking about that and even in that case of like should we do a manifesto or would we like that just feels like fun by the way we're not, I, no i know i know we're not it's just like i i always get <laughs> next newsletter next newsletter is just a manifesto i actually think the idea of making a manifesto is interesting you guys don't think so that's fine no um, i do actually i think it's interesting i think the idea of if we if we just took a couple episodes of the show some of our favorites and just listened through one more time and pulled out 10 10 quotes doesn't matter if there's any sort of uh, connection, doesn't matter if they are sort of complete or whatever, and we just displayed it in this way where it's like 10 things about things and come up with a sort of mm-hmm. fancy name for it. Uh, I think that w- that's basically exactly the same thing. Like, it, it, all this has that that wouldn't have is sort of the, uh, the air of completeness, right? Like the mm-hmm. air of simplicity, which is... The most dangerous thing. It's 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 what's wrong with so much of the attitudes towards analytics and and testing and sort of using data and design. And it's what's wrong with the entire idea of trying to simplify something down. Is all comes down to just you want this thing to look complete and look like you like you finished and you've got a total thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like I and no one does. Yeah, I like I understand the mentality, but like I we try to think of ways to try to simplify things down so people understand our show and uh sometimes we look at do we do that yeah i mean like you do that you well that's been your job at least yeah. so um like we try to find ways to simplify it or like get it into a chunk where people would be interested in interacting or participating or whatever and uh i th- i think 
like looking at the manifesto, I feel like that was something that was somebody trying to do the same thing and found a format that already existed and latched onto that. Uh, and like, I kind of feel like we do that a lot where we try to say like, what is something that somebody would automatically recognize that could be something that might not have to be audio. It could be something that's written or whatever. Like it, like even our newsletter, we wanted to have something that was written and a little bit separated from the show, but was still in the same air of like, what we tried to do. That's true. The newsletter is that exactly that idea. The newsletter is our attempt to make the place where people go to get content that is not designer news or reddit it's not a million things you can sort through and be distracted it's just two things every week and i am not at all convinced that people read it any differently than they read reddit or designer news. yeah so mm-hmm. so the thing that like the questions i have that come up like with trying to get more people interested in the show is not what are the different formats that we can get people interested with it's more like what are the things that even interest them in the show in the first place? Is it the topics? Is it our personalities? Because that's something that is definitely a factor, but it's something that we don't necessarily talk about too much. It's more like, what are the topics that we discuss? What is... I actually think, I think it's, if if you don't like Andy, you're not listening. If you like Andy, you're a fan. I think that's the biggest part, honestly. Yeah, I don't think that's the case because we did the, we did a fucking survey and lots of people were like, Andy should talk less. Well, I don't think I... Yeah, they also said don't talk about video games. So I like everybody's going to pick <laughs> and choose. But, you know, like like an idea I had a while ago was, is there any way that we could take certain shows and take certain sound bites and turn it into like almost like a teaser? Like it could be like two minutes or five minutes or whatever and just show people... Or two seconds soundboard, Dan. Yeah, exactly. And 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 show people what this, the show typically sounds like without having to invest an hour into yeah. it. And that's one of those things that, like, that would be me trying to lower the barrier without trying to come up with a new format for the show uh, that people would have to, like, become interested in. Because th- there's still that barrier of, like, I don't know what this podcast is going to sound like. Uh, so it's... You want to do... So it's... The pull quote manifesto, like Andy said. Yeah, but, it, but that's still, like, written format or whatever, like, the top ten things. No, no, no. You, you, we'll, we'll use SoundCloud. We'll put little embeds next to every point. Where they get to listen to the context if they want to, but we we all we all have to go find two or three sound bites of ourselves or whatever or anybody, and we put them together in a list. And we yeah make a pull quote manifest. Yeah, so like uh, the thing that like the questions I would want to keep asking and get a little bit more aggressive about is like what are the good things that are happening about the show, not things that would complement the show, but the show itself, and how could we pull that out and distill it and simplify it in a way that's easily digestible. It's something that people can latch onto and it's easy to distribute so that more people have an, uh, a chance to become interested without the hour long investment. So what you're saying is still fundamentally the thing we are saying we don't want to do. Like it's a different version of it, but you're still trying to take what we do and simplify it, condense it down and make it understandable. And I also want to recognize that I having read all of the Wikipedia pages and all of the cognitive biases, I'm fairly convinced that we are just arrogant in thinking that these conversations we have are so complicated and sort of twisting and turning and so dense that they require someone to listen to it in their entirety. I suspect that other people that are smarter than us or us, given the distance of time, will be able to look at an hour-long episode and say, oh, it's really just about this. We could summarize it in a paragraph. That may but, be true. But where we are now, it doesn't feel that way. Uh, it, it does not feel that way when we have these conversations. I don't know how we arrived at this from talking about clickbait headlines, but we are here somehow. Um, so, well, there's a point about Twisty Turney. Uh, but I mean, you, the point is you have to get it out in order to summarize it. Like, you can't... It's a first draft. The show, the show is a, a series of first drafts. Oh, that's, that's hey, a good show title. New name. Yeah. <laughs> no, new name for the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've been talking about maybe new name, first draft. <laughs> The problem is it's going to be that name will have been taken by screenwriting software, uh, shows by writers. Uh, slash, it's also already a podcast. If, yeah, if we, th- if we think yeah, On the Grid is not, is not original enough and other unnamed sources are not stealing our name but not bothering to look up the fact that another thing in the design community might exist by the name of On the Grid, then First Draft certainly is going to exist. Wait, I'm having a weird moment. Uh, I'm at firstdraftpodcast.com, and it's a mm-hmm. podcast hosted by three men. And they have a newsletter, and I can't figure out what it's about because they don't seem to have wanted to summarize themselves. It's us in the future. Uh, I think we may have fallen into some sort of time vortex. <laughs> <laughs>
I will say, you know what is nice, though? Uh, when we spend so much time talking about how complex the show is and how difficult it is to summarize, it makes me feel smarter, even if we're in, it's not correct. It's a nice placebo effect. Yeah. 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 Whether or not that's true, I feel smart. It's, What's it's important is everyone know that we're complicated and special and different than everyone else. Uh, complicated and special, yes. But also the same. Complicated and special. That's a great episode title. I would love to hear about a thing that you love, Andy. Okay. I think there are a certain group of video games that are different enough and weird enough and good enough that even non-video game people should kind of go out of their way to play them i would put uh of course minecraft in this bucket i would also say that um portal is in this bucket for me uh partially because it's really short um journey is a game for, for playstation that is also in this sort of bucket where it's like just so interesting and cool and weird um shadow of the colossus another great game that goes in this bucket uh, but the one i want to talk about specifically uh, is Katamari Damacy, which is this beautiful game that originally came out for PlayStation 2. And it is this perfectly simple, delightful, charming game. I had to look it up even to see if there was a way you could lose because my memory of playing it is so kind of just casual and nonchalant. I don't remember it feeling like a sort of competitive thing. Uh, but the way the game works is you are this little character and you start out, you are very small. You're about the size of, I don't know, maybe like a thumbtack. And you begin the game and you're on the top of someone's desk and you're rolling this little ball around. And it's kind of like uh, the old video game trope from the fish eating each other game where if bigger fish eat smaller fish and mm-hmm. you as a small fish have to work your way up only eating fish that are a little bit smaller than you until you can eat the biggest fish. Um, it's like that, but blown up to an incredible scale in that you've got this little ball and you roll it around. And the ball will pick up anything that is smaller than it, and it will not pick up anything that is bigger than it. It will just kind of, you build up this ball of, of junk, of paper clips, of uh, little notepads. And as it gets bigger, you start to be able to roll up, uh, you know, like a, a tape dispenser and then like a cup and a mug, and you kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you basically end up doing this until you've rolled up a whole planet uh, into this big giant ball of garbage, and you roll around cities and grab skyscrapers and then. Uh, this thing gets launched into into space and becomes a star. And uh, you basically go through the game creating stars of a bunch of junk. And um, it's a very novel control layout for a PlayStation 2 game in that I believe the only controls are you roll around. I don't think there's anything else if my memory serves. So you just get to roll this ball. There's nothing else you can do, which makes it very approachable for people who don't know how to play video games and don't have the hand-eye coordination to remember you know, buttons and press X at the right moment. Uh, It's just very easy to kind of get your bearings in the world and kind of figure out where things are. And you roll with ball around and build things up. And uh, it's just, uh, to me, it's it's one of these sort of games. It's just a perfect balance of like an interesting, weird story of a very approachable sort of control scheme of a sort of system that's very versatile and scales. Like the same game mechanics work when you're the size of a thumbtack as when your ball is the size of a whole entire city. Um, which is really impressive to me that that sort of just works all the way through and never becomes boring, never becomes dull. Uh, and the only int- the only introduction of like bad things that can happen to you is uh, you can run out of time, in which case you lose. Um, or there's some things that will kind of run into your ball and do damage to it and knock some junk off of it. Uh, so it's this right balance of like difficulty and enjoyment to play, and it's somewhat meditative. And um, I don't know, I, I've never played a game quite like it. Uh, I oftentimes think that the the best thing I could do would be to make something that is like Katamari Damacy, not in content, but in kind of like feeling and its its place in the video game world, and make that for for an iOS device. If there was something that was that same degree of like super easy to figure out, uh, fun, just challenging enough, not stressful, uh, that you would probably have this really interesting, beautiful game. So. Yeah, that's my that's my happy ending. Um, you can, at the very least, go watch videos of it being played online if you're not if you don't have access to a way to play a PlayStation Two game. Uh, it may be uh, on like the PlayStation Marketplace if you have a newer PlayStation. Dan or Mac, can you confirm that? 
Uh, my unfortunately, I have like the oldest PlayStation Three in the world that requires me to hook in directly to the Ethernet, and it's too far away in my new apartment. It's too far away from my router. Oh, to that's do what you that. get for buying a big old non-New York apartment. <laughs> ooh, <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, wait, eighty is a house. What do you mean, ooh? Yeah. Well, I'm um, still in my tiny little. So apartment. I can't confirm or deny. I very much want to. Pl- I really, really want to play it, and I've tried to look it up, and I don't know because I don't have the internet in my PlayStation. I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh, if, I'm going to go ahead and just say yeah. It, I'm going to say yes, you can yeah, do this. It may be available because they released a bunch of PS1, 2, and 3 games are available digitally. You can also stream them through like a PlayStation. Yep, it is available in North America as of April 30th, 2013. Nice. Great. On All the right, PlayStation one... Store. Oh, wait, no. Yes. At some point, I'm going to drag my PlayStation over to my Ethernet cable, Yep. plug it into download, and run it right back over to my TV so I can play. How about that? I think that's how much I care about this game, Andy. You that I do don't it. know anything about. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It says, list of downloadable PlayStation 2 games you purchased on the PlayStation Store on Sony's PlayStation 3 video game console in all regions. Yep. So, it is available. So, if you've got a PlayStation 3 or 4, go play it. It is worth the 10 bucks or whatever it costs to download it. It is a special, special game. This has been On The Grid, episode 126. This week, I'm just going to ask that you go to iTunes and review our show if you liked it. If you're a new listener or an old listener and you haven't reviewed us yet, go to iTunes, search for On The Grid, give us a five-star review. Thanks. Thanks to Glassboy for the interlude music, Girlfriends for the theme music, and finally, thanks to you for listening. Until next week, 